is because we enjoy it and we lose ourselves. And how many, many people who are infirm, who have had disabilities, tell us that it's a lifesaver. And it is. Hello and welcome to episode 85 of Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. How's it going, Dad? It's going well, Steve. Very pleased with the way things are at the moment. Good, good. How is it in Broadstairs? Very warm, I've got to say. It's been lovely this week. Again, we're having a terrific summer so far, aren't we? Yes, indeed. And I'm making the most of it. I'm getting out and about, but I'm also working... I don't want to get people to think that I'm sitting on in the sand and dangling my feet in the water. I'm not. I'm working. <laughs> no holiday for you then this year? No, well, no, no, no holiday as such. We're out and about. You know, it's, it's a nice balance, you know. We're getting a balance of work and popping out and enjoying ourselves and so on. It's a nice balance. Very happy, mate. Good. Oh, excellent. And you're busy too, I understand. Really I, busy at the moment. I am. I am, yes. It's very, very busy at the moment. About to start rep season as well in Broadstairs. So That's I'll right. Yeah, down. we've got our tickets booked. Yep. Um, <laughs> so it's a couple of plays in very quick succession, but it's going to be really good fun. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's always nice coming back to a seaside for summer as well. It's, you know, we're very lucky to have you there. Uh, uh, so I can come down and visit. Yeah, but we're coming down tomorrow, and uh, it, we we couldn't quite get the um, podcast in while you were here this week because we've been so busy. That's uh, right. But uh, never mind. Never mind. So let's crack straight on. Um, you've got a feedback first of all that you want to read I out. Have, yes, this was an interesting one, Steve. It's from Brenda, and she sent me two paintings that she's just done and i'll read it in a moment one was the harbour scene that's been really popular and the other was hambledon mill now the harbour scene was done following my videos and the the hambledon mill was done from a pack anyway she writes this is my first landscape using pastel pencils i was having problems with watercolor mainly due to chronic pain often i had to leave it not good if doing wet in wet The pastel pencils have opened a new door for me. I might try mixed media as well. However, I think the pastel pencils are the way forward for me. I do like doing pictures of animals. I also tried Hamilton Mill, but I can see in hindsight that the sky is wrong, also the reeds. Can you see where I can improve this picture more? I've also discovered I'm a visual learner. I can follow the videos easier than the worksheets. Loving my journey into art of pastel pencils. As I said, and this is from Brenda, and as I said, I think we've, um, people that are on the member site are really quits in because there's so much information on that. And I think people seeing, they say a picture paints a thousand words, and it does. Looking at and seeing me do the techniques and using the techniques, you can't help but really uh, do a good job. As we're seeing time and time again with the pictures of being. And what we've done, we've done a blog for this, Steve, haven't we? So you're going to put that on the member site showing the two pictures. Yep. And people can see for themselves. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting hearing people that are transitioning from or trying. They mention what they've tried. Um, there's a, a post, uh, well, a topic on our community forum at the moment where people, when I say what other mediums have people tried, and a lot of people have tried the wet mediums. It's and it seems to be not only that the results with pasta pencils are uh, incredible, but also the the convenience of it, the yeah. fact that it's a dry medium. Um, that you can transport everywhere, um, er- erasing mistakes. A lot of people saying that they tried ca- uh, colouring pencils, but they're just they're too. It's not easy to use. They're not easy uh, to understand, like to understand, like uh, to well to work with, but also to erase and, and things like that. So mm. it's really interesting. It's, it's very much a relaxed medium. The thing is, you know that you can uh, make these adjustments, as you said, and it. It takes a stress out of painting. This is one of the things, when I first started, I remember with watercolour, although I took to it quite quickly, I would say, I still had that stress when I started, oh, my goodness, what if I make a mistake? It's always in the back of your mind. You know that if you make a mistake, there's no way out. Mm. And this is the great advantage you've got with the pastel pencil. You know that if you do make a mistake, you can get out of it. So it creates confidence and with that confidence you know comes great pictures good yeah absolutely right well thanks brenda for sending your your artwork in as well it's good and that will be on the blog so if you're listening to this podcast and you want to go over to the blog check it out so the next one i have here is this came through today on our community forum which is buzzing at the moment there's there's posts all the time so uh, if you're a member and you haven't already checked out the community forum check it out because lots of members are interacting on there this one came on there uh, from kim she says hi colin i was just watching your koalas tutorial and thought i respond to your comment about koalas looking like steel wall and that you'd imagine they felt the same way koalas are very soft and cuddly to touch Their their fur is very thick but very very soft They have a gland on the front of their chest, which you want to avoid because it leaves a very nasty smell on your clothes. (laughs) They use this for territory marking. But if you bury your nose in the fur on their backs, they smell just like passion fruit. They are truly amazing creatures. Blimey, what a difference, eh, between the front and the back. (laughs) Yeah. Mind you, don't try burying your nose in the fur of a wild koala. You'll end up with no face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, uh, these cuddly, gorgeous, cute creatures aren't quite so gorgeous and cute now, are they? Well, it sounds like their backs are. Um, <laughs> they smell like passion fruit. I think that's great, and thanks, oh, kids, for sharing thing, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doesn't take away from it that they're a beautiful animal, and uh, oh, I agree with that. The, the, the fur does look wiry, doesn't it? But uh, isn't it interesting? Yeah. So they were. Well, I've never felt the koala's fur, and I'm certainly not going to smell and put my nose in his uh, front. front. <laughs> sure. Even if I do meet one. <laughs> great, great. Lovely. Love Excellent. It. Okay, so next one is a question from Kerry. Hello to you both. Never know which one of you is going to read it. Well, uh, today it's me. <laughs> First, I would like to say how amazing the Castle Coon picture is, and I can't wait to try and recreate it. We've had a lot of... Uh, feedback mm. on the castle coon picture which has gone down a storm hasn't it yeah i have found this amazing picture of a horse's head i've tackled horses before and not made a bad effort i think i especially love recreating the tack 
Anyway, this horse has a most amazing shiny coat, and I just wondered, how do I tackle and make it realistic? Is it, it is a bay horse, uh, which is a brown horse, and I know how to highlight the light bits, but what about the shiny bits? Mm. There's not a lot of difference between a shine and a, a white. I mean, in the case of a bay horse, you have um, you, you start with white. On the very, very lightish, shiny area, you start with white anyway. You'd have to because you've got to get it light. And you've also got, if you're using the same colour paper, you've got to create that um, lightness to start with. Then the difference is that as you... Um, come away from the centre area of shine, which is at its greatest, and move towards the darker, stronger, more obvious colours, you grade that. And the graduation there take, gives you the shine. That's where the difference is. If you have a black and white animal, you know, you could argue, well, if you put black down and you put white down, you're getting a black and white you are. So what happens if you want to shine in, on a black and white animal? Well, you do exactly the same thing. You, this is a transition between the white and the black that creates the effect of shine as opposed to, you know, the different colour. And on a, on a brown horse... That's what you do. And you start off with the white, but then you gradually introduce maybe a little bit of, um, I would say, ivory perhaps towards the brown. And then you gradually work towards that brown with me. I'd always put a bit of grey in as well. If you're using brown, you must put grey in. Otherwise, the brown becomes too strong. So then you put grey. So it'd be ivory, then grey. Then you start introducing the ochres. And then finally, the browns. So when you say it's this transition, that makes a difference. So you would graduate from the very lightest being white as the base mm -hmm. colour, and then in the areas that it's sort of uh, getting slightly darker, you would put down... I can't give you exact colours there, Steve, because we, we, you know, I don't know what the colour is. It could change, but I'm just giving you an example of what I would do if I was going to brown. Yeah. You know, a brown colour. Right. Okay. The thing is, if you stop suddenly, abruptly, you put the white in and you stop abruptly, that's, what that's I'm, when oh, yeah. it would be a nightmare. Yeah, so you've got to blend. If, would you would you blend the white into the, the mm. ivory or would you put... Uh, oh, no, you bring, no, you bring, you bring the colours into the white. Into the you bring white. the colours into the white, not the white into the colour. No, no, you can't do it that way around. You've always got to work from light to dark. That principle applies really, really well at that particular point where you're working on a shine. You've got to work on the shine. You've got to bring the shine, graduate the shine to get lighter and lighter so that you start seeing more of the pastel paper, basically. And then those colours then are put in. The intermediary colours are then introduced and then the brown is introduced. You've got to do it that way. If you do it the other way, you'll have white smudging into brown and then it will look awful. Yeah. You've got to go that way. So the white to, light to dark principle works really well in that. I tell you what I would suggest is people have a look. When they see, you know, the next shiny animal that they see, have a look and they'll see that transition. Just yeah. spot it. Mm. Okay. We might have a shiny animal sort of coming up, yeah, maybe. Well, they might do. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Which is a brilliant example. That's going to be a brilliant example for people yeah. to follow. Yeah. Well, we'll be revealing that next week. Great listeners, so tune in next week for our reveal of that uh, animal coming up. So the next one we have is from Jackie. Uh, I have managed to get copies of the picture in the line drawing of Castle Coombe Bridge. So she's about to start Castle Coombe. Now that I'm making a start on the picture, I've hit another snag. The greys listed 
uh, in the colours are 270 and 273 warm grey. Now, listening to Colin putting the grey into the clouds, he tells you to use 230 or 230 and 233 cold grey, which I presume is the same grey that is used as the base colour. Is there some is there some saying that would help remembering the cold grey for blank mm. and warm grey for blank? Yeah, there is. Absolutely. I can give you an ex- a quick answer to that. Anything to do with cool colours like blue, green, those colours almost always, but not absolutely always, because I do make exceptions occasionally, you use cool, 230, 233. So skies, for instance, if you were putting in a, a ground colour for a, a green in a, a building or a tree or whatever, then generally it's the cool greys that you'd use. Now the warm greys go with the yellows and the browns and the the, the warmer colours, basically, the ochres. They would use warm. Now if you think of that, you've got it. So... Judging by this, so for um, for a sky, it's the cold greys. Yep. For uh, a, a building like the building, the, the building in um, Castle Coombe, it's the warm greys as the base mm-hmm. colour. Well, that's right. Because you're using um, an ochre, basically, and you want it to be warm. You know what I mean. People know what I mean by cool and warm. It's 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 something that's uh, that's like having uh, a, a stonework on a building. Generally, that is a warm colour. Mm. Uh, like the church would certainly be 270, 233, uh, uh, 273, I'm sorry, and 182, plus all the other colours that go with warmth. Uh, on the sky, it's no good. Help. You can get away with it. I mean, I suppose if you didn't have 233 and 230 and you wanted to do a sky, you could get away with using 270 and 273 and the blues. You can just about get away with that. But if you've got either or, use the cool ones. What if you've got a sun in the sky? A sun in the sky. Now, that that's interesting because, generally speaking, you would use warm colours there. And then you would then, as you go away from the sun, you turn into cool colours. The furthest most point. But generally, I've... Don't, the only time I've ever done it, in, when you've done a sunset, you know, we've done a few sunsets, haven't I? I'm using warm colours there. I was going to ask that question, actually. If for a sunset you'd use warm as well? I would use warm almost certainly all the time there in a sunset because, you again, you see, you're looking at warmth. You're looking at reds. You're looking at browns. You're looking at uh, the colours, um, oranges and yellows. So I would say warm colours definitely there in, in a situation. But sometimes I've done sunsets where the the top of the sky has been um, blue and I've put white and cool grey on and then transitioned as I come down, changing it to warm. The problem you have there, of course, when you start mixing yellows and blues together, you get green. And if you want a green sky, well, okay, but it is a a problem there. There's a sunset that you've done, the palm tree sunset, which has got a very bluey but then very yellowy uh, colours in it, which is a really interesting uh, uh, um, Mm. subject, isn't it? It's a good one. It's a good one one to to try out too, that that principle that I'm giving you there. Yeah. And there's one note that I had on that is, is, uh, as a general rule of thumb, which I realised, is the 270 or the 230 are the lighter colours 
And then if you want, uh, they're the lighter tones. And if you want the medium tones, you add the three on the end. So the 273 is a medium mm. tone warm grey and the 233 is a medium toned cold grey. Now, what we're, what we're talking about here is a general principle. Now, all these rules can be broken, and I have broken them many a time. I put, I put 233 on top of 270, and I put 273 on top of 230. These, these rules can be broken, um, but you kind of got to know what you're doing to do that, really, and there's got to be a reason for doing it. Generally speaking, stick, certainly when you're starting out, stick to those principles of cool and warm. That's a very good answer. Thanks for that. Good. I learnt a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the next one's from Dale. Do you ever experience drawing block where you just don't want to draw for a time? I finished the Siamese cat and started on something else, but I can't seem to maintain focus and interest. I hope this passes, as up until now I really look forward to each day to draw more. Now, we've talked about this uh, a little while ago, didn't we, on a podcast? That's right, yeah. So, talk about it again. Artist's block and musician's block. All creative people get blocks from time to time. Um, It's a psychological problem, and I'm not a psychologist, so I can't really give an answer to it. But I would say that certainly it's happened to me. It doesn't happen to me anymore. Why is that, Colin? Well, the reason I don't happen, because I'm a professional artist, and I have a professional approach to it. Do you know what I mean? There's a big difference between someone who's doing it for leisure and pleasure and someone who's doing it as a professional. If it's a professional, you tend to do it. Now, if for any reason I do get a kind of, oh, I don't know whether I could be bothered with this today, which is very, very rare, but let's say it does happen, I don't do it. You can't do it. You cannot do it because you're going under the wrong um, incentive. You know, you start working and you're not really, your heart's not in it, then I wouldn't do it. The best thing I would think in, in the case of someone like Dale who who's, has faced this problem is actually put whatever he wanted, wanted to do aside and do something he really did want to do, you know, like a, an animal or, or a landscape or whatever, and that will get him over the block because he'll do something that he wants to do. I always, I like to do this. I know I say to people, try different subjects because it's good that you do expand your knowledge and techniques. But at the same time, if it resulted in an artist block saying, oh, I don't really want to do it, don't do it. Find something you do want to do, even if it was a simple exercise. It's what I do, mm. or what I would do in, in the situation like that. I move from, as you know, Steve, I move from one subject to another. And uh, I can honestly say I never, ever get that now. So it will pass. But it is a psychological problem. Do you think it's sometimes if there's a lot going on in someone's life, like a lot of stress or something, you know, or, or there's other things on their mind that they can't shake mm-hmm. sometimes? That, I would say that's probable, yeah. yeah. That's quite possible, yeah. And, I, again, I, I, can't, I can't give you an answer to that. Yeah. All I would say is that artwork is a fantastic stress release. So if you do have stress in your life, there's nothing finer than getting down and doing some. Mm. Okay. Take your mind off it. Good question, Dale. So thanks for that. 
The last one I have here is from Dorota, and it's kind of a bit of feedback on our video podcast that we did in London last week, and there's also a question tagged onto it. So Dorota says, Hello, Colin. I was watching your video podcast last Friday with my husband, and he was very interested in your proposed course in figure drawing. He has always wanted to be able to draw, but has lacked confidence after he attended an art class on figure and portrait drawing. Apparently, the art teacher arranged the class in a circle, Then he stood in the centre of the circle and said, right, class, draw what you see of me. That might have been the correct way of teaching, but it scared my husband so much that he left the class on the first break and never returned. So now with the advent of video courses and the privacy of home, he feels like he would like to try again at at learning to draw. By the way, uh, Colin, my husband is in his 70s. Is he too old to learn now? Uh, well, categorically, the answer to that is no, he's not too old to learn. My goodness me, we've had people oh, much older than that pick up a pencil and start. Um, the, the problem we have here, of course, is what we were talking about before. In fact, talked about last week, didn't I, that people are put off by having to do something that is beyond them. And that's beyond most people, just to sit down and and draw somebody in front of them Mm -hmm. to get the proportions right. Now, the way we're going to be doing life drawing, as I outlined last week, is they're going to be shown uh, a photograph. And that photograph, they're going to be, I'm going to be showing them how to interpret that photograph and draw um, in a succession of shapes, basically. Uh, putting, uh, I'm not going to go any further than that, but it will be shapes rather than drawing a face. I won't expect somebody to draw or a face or draw a hand or draw a leg. It will be a shape, and that shape will then evolve into a leg, a hand, and whatever. So that's how we're going to be doing it. So have a lot of confidence because it is a very good system. It's how I learned to draw in the first place, and uh, I'm just bringing that to the table, really. And uh, I'm saying this is how I did it, and this is how you can do it. There's one or two other things as well. We'll be drawing in a box, which means that we'll have the outer perimeters and makes it much easier. There'll also be a sort of square drawing, not quite uh, as uh, people have seen before, but it will be divided up. So it will be easier to see how the shapes and the proportions are done. Now, once you get that done and you've got the proportions right, then you can go ahead and draw uh, more freely, freely. And it's but it's easier that way. But just starting off and just drawing willy-nilly, I'm sorry. It's not for many people. I know some people can do it. No, exactly. I mean, it's it's a, that is an absolute, complete, God-given talent, isn't it, to be able to just draw what you see? I mean, that is incredible. But otherwise, I mean, I you know, I hear loads of stories and there's lots of people out there that I've spoken to that have learned through uh, tracing and things like that, just tracing tracing images. That's how they've learned. They've just traced everything they saw because you understand um, composition and, mm. um, you know, you understand proportions and everything like that. It, it, there's something to be said. There's no no one should feel disheartened if they're, you know, if they use, like, your line drawing or if they use the square drawing system no. or if they use this shapes method. It's all a way of constructing a drawing. You're all doing it free, freehand, aren't you? Mm. Uh, and it's almost like you're training yourself, almost muscle memory. You're training yourself uh, to to understand and uh, interpret what you're looking at, whether it's a photograph, whether you're tracing, whether you're using the gridded system. There's all that going on, isn't there? No matter what. Mm. 
Yeah, we're also looking at that um, sort of like from a, a semi-professional point of view. We, we also should look at it from a leisure point of view, people enjoying what they do. They don't have to be great at drawing. They don't have to be great at uh, pastel pencils or watercolour. It's the actual technique of being able and the pleasure of being able to draw and in the leisure side and enjoying yourself. I mean, I used to, many years ago, when, when I used to do the shows, I used to say that I used to, I played the piano and uh, I never learned to, to, to music at all. I just played by ear and I just um, played the piano and I played okay, but I'll never, ever be any good at it, ever in a million years would I ever be any good at it, but I loved it and I got hours and hours and hours of pleasure out of it. And I used to say, it's the same as people who doodle and create um, their own images. Uh, it's a great pleasure and uh, enjoyment to be able to do that. If, as we know, people then advance, and we know that they will do that uh, into doing pictures and very often commissions for people, that's fantastic. But that's not really the, the reason we're doing it. The reason we're doing it on an amateur level is because we enjoy it. And we lose ourselves. And how many, many people who are infirm, who have had you know, disabilities, t- tell us that it's a lifesaver. And it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to step down off the soapbox now, Steve. <laughs> I think that's a really lovely point to end on as well this week. So uh, that's really good. And thank you, Dorota, for sharing that story with us. And keep yeah, an get eye your on. husband drawing, though, because he's going to be able to follow this. Yeah. Don't get excited about it. We're going to start releasing those very soon, aren't we? Some of the pictures yes. that we're going to be doing. Yes, indeed. I don't know when we're actually going to put it on. I, I, I don't know yet. We haven't discussed when we're actually going to start it off. I've still got some work to do on it yet. Yes. Well, we've started, we've released a, a picture, a teaser picture, which got a, a nice reaction uh, on our website. And we'll be releasing another teaser image soon. So look out for that this week. And yeah, it's going to be coming soon. But next week, we'll be talking about the new past pencil picture that will be coming to our members site great so if you've got a question for the podcast you can go to our website colinbradleyart.co.uk and click click the contact page at the top and fill out the form and send it to us and we'll read it out on the show and if you're new to past pencils maybe you're listening to this podcast for the first time maybe you've never even heard of colin bradley and you thought i'm just going to listen to this podcast you should check out dad's free courses which are on colinbradleyart.co.uk there's the landscape course we mentioned earlier the harbour landscape was it yeah the harbour landscape which is our free landscape course but we've also got a free portrait course and a free kitten course and it's also worth mentioning that we have an art store as well where you can buy the packs which we mentioned earlier as well the hambledon mill pack is available on our art store colinbradleyartstore.co.uk just a little bit little bit of plugging going on there (laughs) (laughs) okay so we'll be back next week with a podcast in the studio i'll be in broadstairs we'll be able to record one face to face won't we we will indeed so yes look forward to that and that's it for this week so thanks everyone for listening i'm steve bradley i'm colin bradley enjoy Enjoy your week. week